Welcome to the Bruce Siski Show. Follow the Bruce Siski Show on Twitter to interact anytime. Got something on your mind? You can text Bruce during the show by using the short code 84454. You're listening to the Bruce Siski Show on 610 and FM 103.9 KDAL. 1013, I can already tell we'll be up against the clock all morning here. Bruce Siski Show on KDAL Friday, 29th of September, 2023. Great to have you with us. Uh, back in, earlier this month at NCHC Media Day, recorded 12 interviews, including with a bunch of the NCHC head coaches. In fact, all the ones that aren't named Scott Sandlin. He was on earlier with us this week, podcast Tuesday show at kdal610.com. But I wanted to play a couple of those back here this morning. The second one coming up in about 25 minutes will be with Omaha coach Mike Gabinette. This one with Denver coach David Carl. So last year, I know it didn't end the way you wanted it to, but 30-win campaign, 19 NCHC regular season wins, which is absolutely incredible in this conference. Your reflections on a very good group you had last year. Yeah, it was. Um, it was a fun year. It was a fun group to coach. You know, I felt like our challenges going into the year would be, you know, a level of, you know, kind of complacency potentially coming off a championship, something you guys in Duluth know very well um, and have, have done a nice job, you know, battling against that, um, you know, having won back-to-back titles and, and all the pros and fours in that stretch. And, um, you know, it it was it was the battle against complacency and then feeling the highs and feeling the lows. That was one thing in our 17-18 season. Like, we won the NCHC Frozen Faceoff, and, you know, Josh Fenton was – he was like, guys, can you please smile? Like, can, can we act like we're excited here? And, um, you know, and our guys just – they had won the year before, and we were trying to go back-to-back. And so that, those were two things that stood out to me from um, – you know, our 17-18 season after our 17 title. And, you know, to, to be honest, I thought our guys did an excellent job throughout the year. You know, we, we had some hiccups in the road, and I thought we felt those things, and it, it hurt to lose those games. They weren't just like, you know, it'll be okay. We'll, we'll still make the tournament. We'll be fine. Um, and we, you know, winning the gold pan, winning the Penrose, I thought the guys really enjoyed those moments and celebrated them. And, um, you know, unfortunately for us, we I don't know what virus was going around at the end of the year last year, but, you know, we had the last two, three weeks of the season, it was a different three to four guys out of practice every day trying to manage that. And it was it was an interesting ramp up into our playoff season. And, um, you know, it's Cornell played excellent, played us very well and um, just wasn't it just goes to show you can do everything right and have everything going and um, things can be derailed, you know, pretty easily and, and timing is so critical and it's so hard to win this tournament um, in these one and done situations and, um, you know, certainly did not end the way we wanted, but a lot to be proud of with the year and in tackling the challenge of challenges that we perceived having. Um, and now it's getting into a new year with, with the challenge of having that bad taste in our mouth, uh, losing in the first round. So I see word complacency. I, I think it, you hear this from coaches all the time that, that whatever it is, whatever accomplishment you're trying to battle complacency against the following year, and this time it's off a national championship. How much going into the year did you lean on your older guys, your leaders, to help you with that? Because it, it, it can't just be you guys as coaches that are that are sending that message. Yeah, no, a lot. Um, we we address it from from day one with our leadership group that these are. 
these are things that we have, you know, it helps when you, you were a part of a staff and a team that won in 17, and then you saw what happened in 17, 18. So you have their attention a little bit. It's very recent, you know, um, uh, so, you know, they were, they were very bought into that. I think they understood it. They saw it. And, um, you know, I, like I said, they did a great job, um, throughout the majority of the season and, um, things just went a little sideways for us there at the end of February and early March. And it, we just, it's like, we needed, we needed a bye week or we needed another week to, to get a set of games with everyone healthy and, um, but that's the game. It's it's unforgiving, and and it is it it's uh, it's so hard to win this tournament. And for us, it's the first time I think since fourteen fifteen that we hadn't made it to the to the elite eight. And so an incredible run, you know, that we had gone on without losing in the first round. And um, sometimes losing and getting your teeth kicked in is is a great motivator. And I give our guys a lot of credit. They had a really good spring, really good summer, and um, they're coming into the season very excited to to work back toward uh, what they, you know, the eight of them accomplished earlier in their careers. And for many of the guys, they're, they're here because they want to do something special. We'll talk about the guys that you have on, on this roster and some great young players you've got coming in. In a second, we're talking to Denver coach David Carl. But there's a couple of guys that have left. No disrespect to all the guys that left because you had a lot of really good players that, that have moved on. But there's two that come to mind for me. Meg Descrona was a bell cow goaltender for, it felt like about eight years. Yeah. I, he, I think I said about halfway through last year, he's, he's the new Hunter Shepard. He's the guy that everyone yeah. thinks has been in college for eight years, but it's really only been four. And then Carter Mazur, who had just an unbelievable year in, in so many different respects for you last year. Yeah, um, two excellent players. Obviously, Magnus, you know, really a, a four-year starter. Uh, so rare in college hockey these days to, to have that, just, just from a timing perspective, lining that up with – um, you know, being able to come in as a freshman and have that opportunity to grab the, the bull by the horn. And, um, but what amazing career and uh, leaves a champion. And then, yeah, Mazur uh, had an, um, an unbelievable start to the year and uh, was an impact. And it's funny, you go back and you, you build, you know, I know it's probably air in February, but when you build video packages for training camp and you, you're grabbing clips from the previous year, there's a lot of number 34 in the clips. And uh, as a coach, you're like, gosh, it, it would be nice to have him. But it's funny. Everyone everyone finds a way to always step up and, and fill roles and um, rise to the occasion. And, and we're certainly going to be a, need to be a team uh, that does that. We're going to need different people to step up and, and carry a little bit more water. And uh, we have full confidence that, that they'll be able to do that. When you start as you are with a guy like Massimo Rizzo being back, that's not a bad place to start. No, when you talk about, um, yeah, I mean, Rizzo, um, Thompson, King, Capone, you return all four of your centers. It's it's a good place to be. Um, certainly, we weren't there a year ago. We had to replace Gutman and Stapley. And, um, you know, so this year to have your four centermen back, there's always going to be parts of your team where you have veteran returnees. Um, you know, for us, again, a year ago, it was on our decor. We had seven of eight back and uh, – this year we have four freshmen, and so, and we have new we have new goaltender that's going to be in between the pipes instead of Magnus. So, it just ebbs and flows. I think that's the joy of coaching and coaching at this level is every year presents itself a new set of challenges um, that you're trying to address with a group of young men that that care about something um, that's bigger than themselves. And can you get them to kind of all get on the same page with tackling and, and chasing that challenge. And that's that's what we're looking forward to doing 
um, with this group of 10 freshmen and, and again, a lot of new people and, and guys who have to elevate into roles of where people left. It doesn't make it fact, but it feels sometimes like as we get forward in this game, center play is almost more important now. With that in mind, what's it mean to have your top four back? Because not everybody in this league can say that. Yeah, I think it – I mean, they're the guys uh, – they're kind of the maestros out there, you know, the, before face-offs. They're taking control of situations. They're communicating, have to be assertive, uh, direct traffic, um, you know, and ultimately those guys have the puck a lot. So it's um, it's nice to have – you know, some strength in the middle of the rink when when you're a team that, that likes to use the middle of the rink a lot, uh, to have four guys that, you know, are comfortable in those spots um, is a huge benefit. When you talk about, again, a team that, like us, that likes to play through the middle of the rink uh, and having four new D-men, knowing that they can trust that someone's in the middle of the rink because our centers have played with us, you know, for one, two, three years, um, you know, I think that's a huge advantage in, in getting the defensemen like to buy in and trust and how we want to break pucks out and how we want to transport pucks up the ice. Um, so it's certainly a strength that we will lean on and, um, hopefully that, that leads to possession time and, uh, guides us through a process and ultimately leads to good results for us. You are, you mentioned you got four new D now, unlike another team in the league, I'm not going to North Dakota say who it is. You don't have eight new D. You only have four. Yeah. You've got some guys back, including Shai Booyam, who had a really good year, including Sean Barons, who had a very good year, especially the second half. Mm-hmm. And these are guys I got to think you're excited to see take a step forward. Yeah, I thought we had a lot to replace on the back end, and then you you watch what the green team's doing, and they, they got eight. So that uh, I wouldn't want to be in their shoes with that, trying to teach all that, but. Um, you know the the four that we have, or we've certainly got our work cut out for us um, in the sense of just getting them up to speed on how we play. Um, they were recruited to Denver though for a reason, and they all have different traits that we believe will give them um, a high level uh, of probability of success for us. And for them to be able to learn from a, a Sean Barons, a Shy Booyam. Um, you know, it was a great thing for them. For it's interesting for Sean and Shy, they've really played on the same decor their first two years. They they've had uh, Mayhew and Lee um, and Benning with them. You know, the whole time those those five have been together for for two straight years. So now those three exit stage left, and and uh, it's their show, and they've got to be the guys now that teach and and guide and and mentor. And so for them to that's. The other fun part of coaching, you see these guys, you know, get to grow up and, and take on those leadership roles and um, full confidence in them to be able to to be able to do that with being the veteran guys as, you know, they were true freshmen and, and they're only juniors now. So no seniors on the back end and they get the opportunity to guide two sophomores and four freshmen back there. Tell me about Zeev Booyam, Shai's younger brother. Uh, you know, similar players at all? Or are they are they different? Uh, yes, yeah, similar for sure. Um in some ways, but different in others, uh, you know, size and body types are, are, you know, quite different, oddly, um, you know, but both have great skill, really good sense for the games. Eve has, um, has the same kind of agility and mobility in tight spaces as his older brother to be able to protect pucks and get people on his hip and, uh, make plays from there. Um, but, you know, maybe doesn't have the size that Shy does, but but edges and, you know, gliding around the ice maybe gets around a little bit uh, more fluid and allows him to um, close on in some different parts of the ice, uh, things like that. But um, they're both they're both very competitive. They've they've played 
um, you know, a bit together through training camp. Maybe they're playing together, you know, here coming into Duluth uh, in February. But um, it's fun to see them on the ice going against each other and competing and, and having that experience. You mentioned you don't have Lee anymore. Mayhew's gone. Mayhew's only guy I felt like was there forever. Yeah. Uh, you know, Mike Benning is gone, which means your power play is going to look, I would think, a little bit different, at least in terms of who's running it because he was so good at that. Yep. You know, you also mentioned you're going to have a different number one goaltender this year. So, you know, how much of a challenge is it to get these defensemen up to speed because that's the last line of defense before a new number one goaltender? Yeah, it's it's the the challenge that we'll have as a whole group is just getting, I would say, our our structure and our play without the puck on on the same page. So that I think one of the things that makes us successful and um, makes goaltenders for us successful is we're relatively predictable on where shots come from and what we give up. And, um, you know, they can see the same situation over and over again in games and that helps them, you know, be able to, to be set and ready. And so getting, uh, everyone to be predictable, uh, without the puck, I think will help our, our, uh, our goaltending, but all to all said in that, you know, Maddie Davis had a great end of the year. Corona got hurt at the end. Uh, Maddie got to play four or five games in a row, uh, did very well with it at a time when our team was injured and sick. And so we didn't have our full lineup. And, um, you know, it, it was a lot of those wins were on him and, and how he played. So gives him a lot of confidence coming into the year and into the into his summer. Um, and so really, you know, a guy who's worked hard the last two years said to earn every start with a guy like Magnus in front of him. And, um you know, there's no one that's deserving or earned success more than Maddie through his work um, over the last two years. And so for us as coaches, for our players, um, everyone's really excited to, to see him have uh, a bigger opportunity for us this year. And, and certainly, you know, not knowing necessarily who that number one's going to be at the start of the year, do you want to know right away? Do you, do you Do you want this to play out for a while, this goaltending battle? Because you know, you've had a number one goaltender for four years. This is a little different for you guys. Yeah, um, it is for sure. Um, you know, I think time will tell with that. I mean, we're uh, we're recording this two days into our training camp, so there there's a lot more questions and answers still today, and competition happening, uh, which is a really good thing. But if if, uh, if Maddie takes it by the ball, then you know he'll he'll have the opportunity to continue to get starts. If Freddie practices great and goes in and plays well, then he's going to earn more starts. So. You earn everything you get in this game, and, and it's no different at that position. And um, so we're looking forward to the competition, seeing how it all shakes out. Ultimately, we want good goaltending that's consistent well, and yeah. gives a chance to win. So, Tyler, Denver coach David Carl. So, this year's seniors are the last uh, of the group of guys that will get a fifth year potentially if they would want it. The, the COVID year exemption will go away after this group graduates here in, in 2024. For you as a coach, what's that mean? Because you, you guys haven't been really active in the portal. You've gotten some guys, but you, you haven't been dipping in there a whole lot. No, we haven't. Um, I think every year is different in depending on what you lose and what you have coming back. And, um, you know, we could get into some of those decisions if you want, but you probably don't want to. Um, but, I, you know, to have the fifth years done um, after this year, you know, is it is what it is. And I think the portal will – settle down a little bit, but it's still certainly going to be relevant with the with the regular, you know, one-time transfer guys and uh, those types of things. But I think we've 
there's been some years where we felt really strongly about the the recruits we have and we don't feel a need to to bring in a fifth year or something like that we're not doing it this year um you know that was a conscious decision to not do that and um, there's other years where we feel like we can supplement our freshman class with with a transfer or a grad transfer to try and add a little bit more veteranness to the lineup so i think each year is very different and um just because we do something one year doesn't mean we're going to do it the next. And you, you have to, I think, just evaluate it on a year-by-year basis. Well, finally, it's been a little more than a year now. Uh, thoughts on uh, on the first year for Josh Burlow out in Denver? Uh, doing a nice job. Uh, high energy. <laughs> I, 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 the word that comes to mind, oddly enough, is he can be a bulldog um, <laughs> and, and attack things and get things done. And um, so – you know we're we're appreciative and, and thankful to have him, and obviously he did a lot of great things at Duluth uh, for for your guys' university, and um, ton of respect uh, that I think everyone knows that the respect that we have for uh, UMD and, and the coaching staff and the hockey program there, and uh, certainly that only you know deep in getting to know Josh and hearing about you know how they would do some things at Duluth and. Uh, things like that. It's done the right way, and uh, like I said again, we're fortunate to have them. Denver coach David Carl Pioneer is open next weekend, Saturday, Sunday at Alaska Fairbanks. Ten twenty-nine more to come. Bruce Siski show Friday morning on KDAL. This is the Golden Gopher Daily Update. I'm Mike Grimm. The University of Minnesota football team is gearing up for tomorrow's homecoming game against Louisiana. We'll have a preview when we come back. Everyone knows you save more with MyCub Rewards. So if you're not a member, you're really missing out. Whether you shop online or in-store, MyCub Rewards is the fastest, easiest way to save at checkout. Score this week's deal with MyCub Rewards. Buy $20 worth of Hormel and Jenny O products and get $5 off when you use MyCub Rewards at checkout. There's no limit. So stock up and fill your freezer today. MyCub, my way. See store for details. Golden Gopher special teams ace Eli Mao of Victoria is a member of the Minnesota quad team. That means he starts on all four special teams units, which has a special place in his heart. It's a tremendous honor, you know, uh, coming in here uh, as a walk-on, having a mentor like Derek LeCaptain, kind of showing me the ropes, showing how the way you can get on the field as a walk-on first is typically through special teams. And, you know, that, that kind of became my goal coming in here, that I want to make my mark on special teams. So first two years, you know, being on the scout team and stuff, just working as hard as I can to work my way up onto that. Um, and then finally, now year three, I'm achieved the quad team status, which has been a goal of mine. It's a great accomplishment that I'm really proud of. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's something that we have offense and defense, but special teams, it's a whole different sort of thing. You know, whether you're covering a kick or blocking, it really is having to do all different sorts of things for the team. That's Gopher special teamer Eli Mao, who attended Chanhassen High School. To hear my entire interview with Eli, listen to tomorrow's Gopher Radio Network pregame show with coverage starting at 9 o'clock. The game kicks off at 11 o'clock. For more info on the game, including to buy tickets, go to gophersports.com. That's the Golden Gopher Daily Update. I'm Mike Grimm. The Bruce Siski Show. Well, I'm being told that Average Joe's does not have enough players and will be forfeiting the championship match. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for us. On 610 and FM 103.9 KDAL. We are running behind. want to try to jam in one more interview from NCHC Media Day. And that's coming up next. You'll hear from Omaha head coach Mike Gabinette of a great year for the Mavericks. 
He joins after a CBS News update. It's 1034 Bruce Siski Show on KDAL. Coast to coast. They're right there in front of us. They don't see them. Late nights on KDAL. 1038. All right, real quick here. Uh, next week on the radio show, we will be we're a little bit in flux, to be honest, because we don't know the Twins' schedule yet. We know they're playing Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, but we don't know what times. If those games are early enough in the afternoon, then we will not be on the air any of those days potentially. But here's the plan as of now. Monday, Jeff Papis, Bulldog Football, also UMD men's hockey captain Luke Lowheit recorded from Media Day uh, back on September 13th. Uh, we will, if we're on the air Tuesday, be live at Amsville Arena for the Wilds Open practice, joined by Wild President of Hockey Operations Bill Guerin, UMD Women's Hockey Head Coach Maura Kroll next week for a season preview, uh, some more NCHC conversations as well. Uh, Michigan Tech playing UMD and men's hockey next Saturday at Amsoil. We'll have it live here on KDL. We'll talk to Bulldog Dominic James next week as well as Michigan Tech Head Coach Joe Sean. That is what the plan is. We'll see how things change with the Twins. Uh, at Media Day, I caught up with Omaha coach Mike Gavinette. Here is that conversation at 10.39 here on KDAL. I know disappointing to, to have it end the way it did, uh, but you guys haven't had a lot of chances to host playoff series in, in your time. You finished third. What are your takeaways from 2022-23 from for your program? Yeah, when you when you get over the sting of uh, you know the season being done and you get a chance to look back at the big picture, it's obviously nice to pause and reflect on just how much growth the team had from the start of the year to the finish of the year and um, again testament to our our staff and our, our players that just did a great job kind of just that daily improvement all season long and to put ourselves in a position to to host home ice and uh, uh, host a big playoff series and then obviously to go three games and ultimately not come away with uh, the big win there on Sunday but like I said, you got to be happy with the overall reflection of the season and just the growth that uh, we had as a group. How emotional! I didn't get a chance to watch because we were in the middle of a three-game playoff series of our own. How emotional was that series? And, and it's going to lead to to the next question. But but just from your perspective on the bench, you know how back and forth emotional was that three-game series? Yeah, that was probably, to be honest, the hardest loss I've had. I think since I've been here because I just our team was just you know such a good group. We were really gelling well and you know when you you know usually at that time of year sometimes you're you know it's a long season right so sometimes at that time of year you know you can tell the guys are spent a little bit and we're just waiting for playoffs to come around the corner where was the opposite with that year like the practices were great everybody is so much excited and just one of those things you're you're telling yourself it can't be over and so that was a really tough uh tough way to lose and uh but again that's got to just you know feel the fire to to keep improving and to keep growing and the reason i ask is because you know i'm i'm sitting in st cloud and and we've got a game of our own and i'm following what's happening to update the the nice people listening on the score and all that and i happen to notice that you know a lot of penalties in your game 3 there were early any in ours and it, it, i was talking to Brett Larson about this how emotional how physical how hard that game was and and somehow the line never got crossed whereas in your your instance there were a lot of line crossing apparently there were a lot of penalties of much more tightly called so you're the coach but i'm going to let you have the power to dictate what would you rather have a game like the one you were in that was tightly called or there's a standard and, and they do their best to stick to it or a game like we had in st cloud where they're not calling anything unless somebody's bleeding 
Yeah, I, I would rather have not that many penalties. I think in the first two games, there there wasn't even close to that. And I think that's one of the reasons why it uh, stung so much too with the loss because when all of a sudden you, you turn it to 15, 16 penalties, it's, I think that changes the outcome of a game. And, and probably with a, you know, a roster as talented as North Dakota, they, they, you know, the special teams is never a bad thing when you have a lot of talent on your roster there. So, yeah, I, I was disappointed that, you know, that many things and they, and they definitely weren't blood drawn penalties. I think we ended up being the least penalized team in the, in the league last year. And, and then to go to all of a sudden, you know, take eight or nine and, and both ways, you know, both ways, I just thought that it was marginal infractions. And then now you're kind of playing the catch up game of trying to make sure things are even. So I would prefer just to let the players, you know, dictate it. Obviously, you got to still, you know, have a line in the sand where what's acceptable, what's not from a player safety exp- uh, standard. But I'd rather let the players play and uh, see five on five hockey. Talking to Omaha coach Mike Gabinette. So let's talk about some of these guys that you've got back that had big years last year. And the first name comes to mind is Jack Randall. You know, you're always looking for that guy who's going to take a step. He might have taken more than one last year. Yeah, he's a guy that we recruited really hard to get. And I just believe he's all about what our program's about and what I'm about. And, and just so to see him have the success he had last season, you're just so happy for him and proud of him. And and for him to come back for his fifth year is, you know, speaks to how much he cares about the program and how much he enjoys playing in Omaha. And so we couldn't be more happy to have him back for his fifth year. Ty Mueller also had a very good year last year. He's also back. What does that mean to to have that one-two punch back at, at the top of your lineup? Yeah, there's another guy that's really taken some huge strides since he got here as a freshman. To, I think he missed the first 10 games of the season as a freshman to now um, you know, centering our top line and getting drafted this summer to the National Hockey League. So his development just continues to, to skyrocket upward, and I think he's going to be a real force to deal with this season. If I remember correctly, and, and you feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, but when we sat here last year at Media Day, were you not completely sure you'd have Jake Kacharski uh, available in goal because the, the whole transfer thing hadn't completely gone through yet? Is that right? Yeah, I believe we, we got maybe news about a week before the season started <laughs> wow. that, uh, that he was going to be good to go. So we ended up having to get another goalie um, where we ended up carrying four at the start of last year till we knew Jake was eligible. So, yeah, that was definitely a touch-and-go situation there. Um, but it was nice to finally figure out that he was eligible. Tell me about Simon Lacozzi a little bit. We, we saw him in January at your place, and, and boy, oh boy, was he good. Uh, but, but the way he stepped up and, and, and really it felt like he got better as the season went on, which is it, you, know, you throw a lot at a freshman, any freshman, but a freshman goaltender especially, and for him to be able to do that is pretty impressive. Yeah, I, again, he has an elite mindset, and I think you know early on it struggled. Like you said, there's a lot to handle there early on, and he kind of struggled. But it was funny just during the conversations with him, he stayed so consistent in his mental approach to things and what he needed to do to keep improving and not to dwell too much on the past or look too far to the future, but stay present and and keep working on his craft and and developing every day. And I think that's why you know I ended up going with him so much in the second half. You just know that mental toughness is there, ultra competitive and just a great kid too so uh you know he continues to evolve and and get better and uh, we couldn't be more excited to have him in our net as you look at, at this group this roster you have right now I, jumping off the page on that blue line of those young sophomores you have and, and you know gavin and lemay who who 
in and out of the line maybe a little bit the first half, but again, as the second half went on, it felt like they they emerged, they became big time players for you. And and this is a program that always seems like you've got puck moving defensemen. It's like they grow on trees for you or something. Yeah, that's right. I don't know if they grow on trees, but uh, uh, you know we'd like having them for sure. Oh, and yeah. yeah, so and yeah, just Lemay and Graven, you could tell just early on, just getting their you know feet wet in the league and just how hard it is to defend and the size and strength of the opponent on a nightly basis. And but they just kept coming along, just like our just like Simon, just like a lot of our players throughout the season. And then ultimately to have the finish we did to set us up for home ice was a testament to just how much growth those guys had during the year. And and even now, we need them to take another step, right? We're losing some scoring on the back end, losing some scoring up front. So we need all those guys just to continue to elevate their game and, and play a bigger role. You know, this is a, a team that's always good on the power play. It felt like last year you had more impact offensively five-on-five. Five. How good was it to see that out of your group? Because we talk about all the time in this sport, it's hard to score five-on-five, five, and you were able to do it pretty consistently. Yeah, again, you're exactly right. you got to find ways to score five-on-five. Five. You need your power play clicking to help win those games or secure those games, but you got to produce five-on-five. Five. So something we spent some more time on, uh, especially recently, just working on uh, – gathering opportunities, working on some predictability, working on some structure to create offense. And I think that's important, um, especially sometimes when you don't have maybe as many just pure goal scorers, but you have guys with a lot of really good assets and talent in certain situations to set those guys up for success and how to work with each other. And uh, so I think we're going to have a real nice combination this season of some really hardworking players, but some also some guys like Mueller and Randall and Ludke coming in that can put the puck in the back end as well. You, you've always, as I said, almost always good on the power play, always dangerous on the power play. Is it, for your group on the power play, is it easier when you win a face-off to start? It, 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 we, we hear all the time that you win that draw, you can make them play out of structure. It makes it more difficult for them to do, to do a whole lot against that power play. And now you maybe have your guys a little more comfortable that way instead of having to go chase pucks all the time. And again, you're always good on face-offs, it feels like. Yeah, it's a, you always want to start with the puck, especially the power play, and especially how good uh, penalty kill four checks are nowadays. It can be a really tough time to get stepped clean in the zone and, and maintain possession. So anytime you can start with possession right off the bat, I mean, that's 15, 20 seconds. You're not spending going back, getting the puck, and bringing it in the zone, and then getting set up in zone. So something we focus a lot on. Uh, Coach Noel Bernier does a great job getting the power play clicking and and working you know, with our centermen as well to you know be really good on faceoffs because it's such a you know such a maybe not talked about thing, but such an important thing to having a successful power play. You and I haven't spoken since you guys lost Paul Gerard last year. Uh, just for the folks that maybe aren't familiar with him, t- tell us about the impact he made on you on your program. Yeah, I mean, just first and foremost, as a human being, just a very special individual and obviously got to work with him for five years. He coached me in professional hockey uh, back in the day. So you know, I got to bring him on staff and learned a lot from him. And being a younger head coach, it was great to have someone with that type of experience and and just, just his mindset and, you know, talking about family and just he's kind of been through that all and at every level, college, NHL, American League. And so to have someone like that in your corner is special. And so we definitely miss him. Um, and, uh, you know, but we, we think about him often. We're visiting with Omaha coach Mike Gabinet. I looked and somehow Nolan Krenzen's a senior already. How the heck did that happen? Yeah. Yeah, Krenzy, man, he's coming <laughs> along though. He's he's one of my favorites. He's just continues to develop and get better and uh, hopefully can even keep him for a couple more years here for his fifth year. And uh, yeah, just leads by example, really hardworking guy. And uh, uh, yeah, I can't believe he's already a, already a senior. What kind of year do you think he had last year? And, and what do you look for from him this year? Well, I think if you look at Nolan Krenzen, I'm not sure if statistically it lines up, but he's gotten better every year. You know, from his freshman year to 
you know, being an impact guy, but, you know, still making some freshman mistakes to sophomore, boom, those mistakes were fewer and fewer to junior. I mean, he's one of our most solid defensemen back there and plays and, you know, big time five on five, big time penalty killer, extremely hard to play against. And, uh, and he's just going to take another step this year too. So he just, he's a guy that gets better every single season. Since the portal became a thing, you guys haven't been afraid to dip and, and take some guys. What do you look for when, when, you're, when you're in the transfer portal and you're trying to find a, a particular player, a specific spot in your lineup? What do you, what do you, how, how does that process work? Because it, it can't be easy. You don't have a lot of time to, to dilly-dally around and try to, yeah. you know, try to background check these guys. Yeah, that's probably one of the things I think I just when I walked by the hall, I heard Lars talking about it. I think that's one of the hardest things about the job now is that now not only you're coaching, but you're trying to be a GM and figuring out who's coming, who's going, who's staying, who's leaving. And I think so the first thing you got to do is what are your needs as a program and, and then do they fit into your program? So, you know, you always want to start with character and making sure they're going to be a addition to your culture and they can fit in with your locker room and have a positive impact in that way. And then also to your, your team needs, you know, if you're looking for a Nolan Crenson type of D man, are you looking for a puck mover? Are you looking for a skilled guy to finish? Are you looking for a, a guy to maybe be F1 on the four check? So I think you got to really take all those things into consideration and then make the best decision at the time uh, that helps, uh, helps the program. I mentioned Nolan Crenson. He is the last of, of this group of players that will have the opportunity to play a fifth year what does that mean for you as a coach that this is going to go away now? Yeah, I think it's not a bad thing, to be honest, that maybe the, the portal slows down a little bit. You know, I think it's always good if, you know, somebody needs a new opportunity where they're maybe not getting that opportunity uh, where they currently are at. But I do think it's nice to not, you know, always have musical chairs every two minutes where you got to, you know, constantly figure out who's coming and going to. So I think it's uh you know, not a bad thing that maybe that COVID years, that's the last year there, maybe the more of the grad transfer types. And then we'll see maybe just more some of that, you know, underclassmen, uh, juniors, seniors, et cetera, looking to move. Finishing up with Omaha coach Mike Gavin, do you feel like you're almost always recruiting your own players now because of because of the portal, because that's become such a thing? that, that Not that you're begging guys to stay. Not, I don't want to use that word, but you're, it's almost always a process where you're making sure these guys are as, as happy as they can be. I think you just, you know, you treat them like you always would treat them, you know, treat them well, treat them with respect, um, you know, just be yourself and, and do it. And I think at the end of the day too, and then you can also get overcritical of maybe a guy moving on or, or, or vice versa, or a guy staying, think you're, you know, the best ever because they stay, you know, I think you got to kind of just take everything a little bit more unemotionally now and, and uh, just, you know, do your best to provide a great environment for the athletes, really care about them, be who you are, don't just talk, actually have the action. I think that's the most important thing when you're connecting with athletes is your actual actions. You can say whatever you want, but what you do is what actually impacts them on how they, how they feel. And then just, just go from there and don't get too high with the highs and, and don't get too lows with the lows. Your location is interesting because pretty much every road trip is long. What's yep. your favorite road trip in the NCHC? One we charter to, yeah. <laughs> Anyone? Uh, that's a good humble break, too. Yeah, you know, like no. I mean, that's the thing. You're exactly right. They're they're not easy to get to. I mean, North Dakota is our travel partner, and it's probably one of our toughest yeah. toughest trips on our bodies, right? You know, so it's uh, uh, they're not easy. So, like I said, the the ones that are the closest are the easiest. Uh, just on the guys' uh, sleep and and rest uh, are usually our favorites. Is there a city though that maybe you like more than than another? 
And it's okay yeah. if it's not Duluth. We're not going to be Yeah, managed. yeah, yeah. You know what? I always enjoyed Duluth with the, uh, the hotel. has been great. And the, the lady there that takes care of us really well. Uh, uh, we've had a couple of good trips to Denver. Found a couple of good restaurants to go to as a team, which the guys always enjoy doing, spending a little team time together. And, and Denver's almost like a charter. You know, it's just a direct flight in and out of there. So I'd say Denver, besides the altitude and, the, you know, uh, it's a fast-paced game out there for the guys. During, and the altitude is tough. But I think Denver's always a nice city to, to visit. Omaha coach Mike Gabinette. Mavericks open up in a couple of weeks. Always fun to visit with him. 10.53. We have a weekend to usher in. Mr. Craig will come in at 10.59 to do that. As we wrap things up, Bruce Siski Show, 610-103.9 KDAL. Your Twin Ports home for UMB Bulldog Hockey. Shot score! UMB! KDAL. 10.59. We are back on Monday. Jeff Papis on Bulldog Football. He'll have the call tomorrow at Miloski. Noon kickoff for homecoming against Winona State here on KDAL. We'll talk about it Monday morning. Also visit with the captain of the UMD men's hockey team, Luke Lohheit, an interview we conducted at NCHC Media Day in St. Paul earlier this month. That is on Monday's radio show. Brad and Kenny with Sound Off after the news. Have a great weekend, everybody. Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. This has been the Bruce Siski Show. Hit us up on Twitter at Bruce Siski Show and let us know what you think. No, yes, no, well... No, I I crossed my mind. Visit KDAL610.com to podcast today's show anytime. What'd you say? Listen to shows on demand and download for free. You can also subscribe via Spotify or your favorite podcast app. This has been the Bruce Siski Show. CBS News is up next. For more than 80 years, KDAL 103.9, W28FBFM, and 610 KDAL, Duluth Superior, a Midwest communication station. KDAL.